Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. My name is Bronwyn. I live in Half Moon Bay, California. Bronwyn Pigeon just started eighth grade, and she sent us this question a while ago. And I wanted to know what um, the Bay Area was like in the Ice Age. Bronwyn's curious about a lot of things in that colder time, thousands and thousands of years ago. Well, I want to know what animals lived here, and I want to know if there was plants, and I want to know if it was, like, covered in ice or the environment was completely different or if it was underwater or was it similar to what it was now. And that's just the tip of the ice age? Tip of the glacier? You're listening to Bay Curious, the show where we answer your questions about the Bay Area. I'm Olivia Allen Price, here with reporter Daniel Potter. Hi, Olivia. So, Daniel, how do you want to take on Bronwyn's questions? Yeah, I was thinking. Heck yeah, story about the Ice Age. Why don't we just go back there? So, like, time travel? Daniel, that's not possible. Shrug. It's podcasting. We do what we want. Plus, we gotta get answers for Bronwyn. I want to know what it was like, like if I went, got in a time machine and went back a couple, like, thousand years, what it would be like. Well, it's settled then. I guess we're journeying back to the Ice Age. We'll check out the Bay Area before it was a bay. And yes, we'll meet some rad prehistoric beasts. It's going to be cool. Stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. All right, let's pour soda into the circuitry of general relativity and head back some 12,000 years to the last ice age to answer Bronwyn's questions. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Whoa, it's so green. Not at all the frozen wasteland I picture when we say ice age. I still should have brought my fleece. But yeah, uh, lots of greenery, lots of wildlife. This is the valley that later turned into the San Francisco Bay. One second, I packed some provisions. 
You mean like snacks? Nah, better. Expert interviews. My name is Doris Sloan, and I'm retired from UC Berkeley in the Department of Earth and Planetary Sciences. She also wrote a book called Geology of the San Francisco Bay Region. The Bay Area during the peak of the Ice Age uh, was not covered with snow and ice. In fact, not much of California was. The main ice sheets covered Canada and the northern part of uh, the states and the Midwest. Here in California, the uh, ice sheet covered the Sierra Nevada. So here we are. The San Francisco Bay is not a bay, it's a valley with a river flowing between Angel Island and Tiburon up in Marin through what's now called Raccoon Strait. There are several species of oak trees and maybe more rainfall year round. Overall, this place is lush, verdant, and grassy. Cue the sound of wildflowers gently swaying in the breeze. So that answers one question that we got from Bronwyn, but what about the coastline? I know in the time of the dinosaurs, which of course was tens of millions of years before the last ice age, the beach was much further east, like in the mountains. Right. So in the ice age, it's the opposite. We'd have to go miles further west to get to the ocean. Sea level went down about 400 feet because so much of the water, Earth's water, was tied up on land in glaciers and ice sheets. Ocean level dropped. And that put the shoreline out past the Farallons, uh, which is really quite amazing. That's the Farallon Islands listeners might know from squinting out over the ocean on a clear day at Land's End. So you're saying, having traveled back to the Ice Age, we could walk on dry land from Land's End all the way to the Farallon Islands? Except in this scenario, they're not really islands? I heard Sloan call it the Farallon Ridge, and yes, it'd be more than 20 miles, maybe slightly downhill, along a coastal plain. You could have ridden your bicycle out to the Farallons and had a picnic on the mountaintops. Okay, so before we get to Bronwyn's questions about animals, let's explain what causes ice ages. Yeah, so in journeying back 12,000 years or so, we're really only at the tail end of the latest ice age, in a period called the Pleistocene. There have been several other ice ages throughout the planet's history, caused by changes in the way the Earth spins around the sun. Think of it like a spinning top. It wobbles a bit on its axis, it sometimes changes the tilt a bit. And these cycles are called Milankovitch cycles. Named for the Serbian scientist who figured out these wobbles could change how much solar radiation the Earth gets, thus altering its long-term climate. And why the wobbles? In a word, gravity. The pull of the Sun and the Moon, along with Jupiter and Saturn, all affect the way the Earth whirls through space over time. Got it. So let's move on to the Pleistocene megafauna a.k.a. those big animals that Bronwyn wanted to know about. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Holroyd. I work at the University of California Museum of Paleontology in Berkeley, California. I'm the museum scientist who's in charge of the vertebrate collections. Uh, so, so what lived here during the Ice Age? We had mammoths, we had mastodons, we had camels for part of that time, and we had... Um, large short-faced bears as well as saber-toothed cats 
and direwolves. Those bears and wolves, by the way, bigger than their modern counterparts. What about the mammoths and mastodons? How are those two even different? Real quick, I think for folks that have heard of woolly mammoths, we should clarify the Bay Area had a different kind, the Columbian mammoth. How mammoths and mastodons differ is interesting because while they're both elephant relatives, they did not compete for food. The way they differ is that they have different kinds of teeth and that made it possible for them to eat different things. Mastodons had teeth the size of tennis shoes with big cusps, and they were not picky eaters. They would have been eating shrubs, parts of trees. It gives them the ability, even fruit, to eat quite a bit of food. On the other hand, the mammoths were grass specialists. Instead of the mastodon's bumpy teeth for crushing whatever, mammoth teeth are kind of flat grinding surfaces. And that's how they're able to eat things that need to be broken up a lot, and they're are generally lower nutrition resources like grass. So that's how you can have two animals living side by side. They're both very large because they're eating different parts of the plants and eating different plants. Ooh, let's do cats next. Yeah, this was a particular interest for Bronwyn, who told me she has two kitties, Molly and Coraline. We definitely have saber-toothed cats. So there would have been big cats here, but we also had cougars or puma, just like we do today. Also bobcats. Maybe also some lynx, which today you find in colder places. So these saber-toothed cats, what were they eating? Dr. Holroyd says probably herding animals, like horses. They probably wouldn't necessarily have gone after mammoths and mastodons, except maybe babies. So just like today, carnivores will always try to, to go after the juvenile animals. Bones from an extinct species called the American lion have also been found elsewhere in California. Holroyd says it would not be a shock for some to turn up in the Bay Area. Gnarly. Okay, let's do one more, then we should probably head back. We haven't yet mentioned ground sloths, grass eaters much too big to hang in trees. It's a very hard animal to imagine because they are so much bigger than a modern sloth. So when you see a modern sloth, mostly what you think of is either their cute faces or the fact that they're sort of hanging from a a tree branch. Where a modern sloth might weigh less than a chunky house cat, some ground sloths were the size of elephants. But Holroyd told me about a somewhat smaller sloth specimen, maybe three or 400 pounds, with a femur the size of a human thigh bone. If you were standing next to it, probably actually the first thing you'd think is that maybe it's a really weird, hairy cow. That sloth femur was found just down the hill from where she works, in what's now the Berkeley BART station. So when you go about 40 feet down in the BART, you're at the level of where a ground sloth would have been walking during the Ice Ages. Is that true all over the Bay Area? Like we just waltz around every day over this hidden layer of amazing Ice Age creatures? Exactly. Holroyd told me Ice Age bones turn up all the time. People stumble across them while out walking their dogs. A crane operator found a mammoth tooth while working on Salesforce Transit Center in San Francisco a few years ago. What I tell people who call and ask about the likelihood of finding a fossil when they're doing construction work in the Bay Area is that if you dig a big enough hole, you'll probably find a fossil. 
All right, that seems like a strong note to start wrapping up on. Why don't we jump back into the present, maybe to a time right after you've reported back to Bronwyn? Are you happy with the answers I've brought back? Yes, pretty much. It would be, it was, a lot of it was very surprising. And I'm very happy that we had very large cats. I think the most interesting thing was probably the fact that there were two different kinds of very large hairy elephants in this area was cool, pretty cool. And I also was honestly, it's really interesting that you could used to be able to walk out to the Farallon. Turns out she can see the Farallon Islands from her house in Half Moon Bay. Hey, one more question Bronwyn had. Were there people here during the last Ice Age? Dr. Holroyd says yes. When people got to California is very controversial. There's no doubt that people were here by 12,000 years ago and would have overlapped maybe with some of these megafauna. There are signs of people here much earlier than that, but it's not easy to say exactly when, at least yet. Another problem is a lot of their early sites may now be underwater. Because just like today, the coastline is a great place to travel along. And so there were probably many coastal archaeological sites of the first peopling of North America that are now underwater out in the bay. Well, Daniel Potter, thanks for taking us back to the late Pleistocene. Thank you, Olivia. Thanks also to Bronwyn's mom, Emily, for her help making this episode happen. This show is produced by Olivia Ellen Price, Katrina Schwartz, and Rob Spate. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts.
to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support.